mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28 and thereabouts is where we'll be beginning this morning. Um, today is Resurrection Day. Resurrection Day. Typically on the calendar in Jerusalem, it's the 17th of Nisan or, bi or a bib after Jesus has been in the grave for three days. Um, I, it's the day that they found the tomb empty. And I just want to tell you that I am struggling just a little bit here. And um, because of my wife going to be with the Lord, and she has been made whole. So I am struggling. I struggled a little bit with my studying. And, and you know, I was thinking that, there's nothing you can do except what you always do. Listen to me. The, someone passing away doesn't change the gospel. The gospel changes them to get them ready to go to sleep or to die. And it's so important that we get that. Because a lot of times I think that we think we are the end all. And it's the resurrection that we want to look at. It's the resurrected life that we want to understand and to live. My wife didn't change the gospel. The gospel changed her. And I would ask you, is it changing you? Because that's the most important question. And so as we look at the fact that Jesus is risen... Good job. I'll be slipping that in just a few hundred times. We want to remember that in this past week and our last lesson began on the 10th of Nisan. According to Exodus 12, the children of Israel, in the night that they were going to, well, it was the day before they were going to leave out of Egypt and be delivered from the bondage of Pharaoh, which is a type of Satan, to, to be delivered from Egypt, which is a type of the world. It was the final plague, the death of the firstborn, that it was the tenth of Nisan. And they were supposed to choose a lamb for their families on the 10th and the sun. And that's what last week was about. Many call it Palm Sunday. It was really the triumphal entry. The Lamb of God who would come to fulfill the Passover festival in the finality, in the fullness of time. And when they lifted him up and set him on a donkey, they were choosing him 
as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. On the tenth of the psalm, while all the apostate priests were over getting lambs ready to kill them and cheating people in the temple in their in their exchange program where they would where they would they would deceive everybody, the common people were out on the road. And they were bringing him in to the city. A triumphal entry. They were choosing him. And those same religious apostate people said, Don't you hear what they're saying? Silence them. And Jesus said, If I was to silence them, the rocks would cry out. And see, they lifted him up. And you and I need to be lifting up Jesus in everything that we do. Because there's only two places to live in life. It's lifting up Jesus or lifting up your heel against him and kicking against the goats as Saul of Tarsus did on the road to Damascus. As Judas did, his own familiar friend lifted up his heel against him. Doesn't matter much what we say out loud. What matters is how we're living. How are we living? God knows our hearts. Pretending before people is lying to God. Are you lifting up Jesus in the way that you live your life? Is that the heart that we have? Or are we lifting up our heel against Him so that we can continue to live our own selfish lives and that which He saved us from? He's patient. He's loving. He's kind. He's merciful. He's long-suffering. He waits. He waits. Listen to me. Sadly, by the end of this week, four days later, the 14th of Nisan at twilight, the people listening to the lying religious authorities, listening to the governing authorities, they changed their mind. Here they're yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now! And because Jesus didn't save now, he said, no, you surrender now. You choose me now. You inspect me and make sure that I'm the Lamb of God. So we go through a week of questioning. And by the end of the week, if you follow it through the Gospels, which I'm not going to do this morning, they listen to an apostate religious people who did not want to lose their position and their place and their power instead of listening to the voice of God. And when even the world, the leader, Pilate, washed his hands of this and said he's an innocent man, but my way out, Pilate said, I can get out of this. You have a custom. We release someone on this day. Would you like me to release Jesus, the king of the Jews, or Barabbas? Now listen to me. This is very important in our lives. Barabbas means Bar being son of Abbas, son of the father. And they knew quite for certain in effect that Barabbas was a murderer. He had been arrested for insurrection. And they were stirred up by some lying apostate people. And they said, Barabbas! Barabbas! And their selfish emotions, because their life wasn't what they wanted it to be, and they couldn't be content, 
with God's work and wait upon him. And he says, well, what do you want me to do with Jesus? And the crowd is stirred up by the same lying religious apostate people who, who want to be in control of your eternal destiny, and they don't even know the God who died for you. They say, crucify him. So everyone begins to yell, crucify him, crucify him. So Pilate turns him over to the guards and they play their vicious game of a cleanup statement where they blindfold him and they hit him. And then they take the blindfold off and they say, who hit you? Prophesy for us. Tell us who hit you. A very, very, very sad thing if you look at it from the wrong side of the cross. This is why Jesus came in triumphantly. He's taking our punishment. He's taking our pain. He's taking our judgment. He's taking the wages of sin for this purpose he was born. And it's so important that we understand why we were born. Because but for the joy that was set before him, he despised the shame and endured the cross and is now set down at the right hand of the Father. Because on the other side, when you look forward, God uses death to bring life. And it all begins with the death of his firstborn. It was prophesied it would happen. He would come in on the tent in the sun. He would, he would be inspected. Well, what did he do first? He went in and made a whip and he scourged the temple. That's what he wants to do in your life and my life. We are now the temple of God. And he wants to clean up our hearts and sanctify and cleanse us. And we keep making this choice and this over and over we have to repent. It's a series of repentances. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. And we begin to allow him. Now we're secure in the beloved because we believe in this resurrection. Romans 10, 9 and 10 is so perfectly clear. That if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you agree that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, delivered from the sin nature. You receive salvation, a position in the heavenlies, seated with Christ Jesus. But that's the starting line. It's not the finish line. And we're a people that are afraid to get to the finish line. Why is it that every place in the world we want to be number one and we want to be out there and we want to break the tape? But when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, we're like, nah, let them run. I'll stay here. Hardest thing I ever did in my life. Give my wife permission to go to be with the Lord. She was hanging on for me, for us. And she was so tired. But she's broke that tape. She's crossed the finish line. She's entered in and her well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. She doesn't change the gospel. The gospel changed her. The gospel made her a faithful witness. 
others that a life can be changed and live differently. Not perfectly, but being perfected. Being sanctified and cleansed with the washing of the water through the word. That's what we're called to do. Not just to say yes and go on doing our own things because these people were deceived into denying the Lord and Savior by the end of the week. Well, really, four days. But a gracious God has given us a chance to be redeemed, and many of them were, even afterwards. So it's pretty amazing that at this juncture we're at in life, I don't know how long you've been a Christian. I don't know how long you've been proclaiming to be one. But are you following Jesus? Have you seen him? Do you know that he has risen? Is it costume jewelry? Or do we understand that eternity is at stake here? Other people's eternity. Oh, he loves us. He's given us so much time. So much time. He loves us. If you get nothing else out of this, just know that it's the love of God. It's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. But we must come to repentance. We must change our mind and be sanctified, our body, soul, and spirit. We have to change our mind. We can't, we can't say, my spirit's fine, but I get to do everything I want, and I'm not changing my mind in the flesh. I'm still going to be mad at them. I'm still going to be mean to them. I'm still going to live this way to there. That's not Jesus. That's lying apostate Christianity. And we're all going to struggle. But which direction are you going? We're all going to struggle. We even fall down. But which direction are you going? Let's just go to Matthew 28 and 1. We were going to be on the first day of the week. We're going to move right past interesting facts of Joseph of Arimathea. Nah, I'm not going to move past it. Let's just look at it. Let's look at uh, 2757 first. And somebody remind me in a minute we have to pray, so we will pray. I just want to get you into a place where we're really looking at what happened on resurrection morning and how it should affect our lives, especially mine. If I'm going to set up and be a teacher of the Word of God, it has to affect mine. But if we're going to be witnesses of the Word of God, it has to affect yours. But listen to me. We don't change the gospel. We proclaim the gospel. We herald the gospel. The gospel changes us. And if, if we've met Jesus, I guarantee you, the good news will change you. Isn't it strange that God would actually call it good news? 
when we have all this bad news on TV and they have channels and mediums and all of these things that they're trying to lie to us through and feed our soul through? Isn't it interesting that it's called the Iroquelin, the good news? Is that the word for it? The Greek word? Anybody know? I think Iroquelin was the storm on the boat. So it's somewhere right there. Thank you, Michael. Get that for me. I do that all the time. I always say Iroquella. Maybe there's a big storm going on in my heart. Joseph, I like this. Now, it's just my personal opinion. His, his dad's name, earthly dad, uh, probably a stepfather, since we know his father in heaven that was overshadowed with the Holy Spirit. He was virgin born. He did not have a sin nature like you and I because he didn't receive anything from Adam, any inheritance from Adam. He came down to give you and me an inheritance from his father in heaven. But Joseph marries Mary, his mother. And it's so amazing that Joseph means he will add and Mary means their rebellion to Jesus. And then we have at the end of his life, another Joseph who is key to the text. Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph, he will add, or Jehovah has added, it can also be translated. And they hand him over to Pilate. Excuse me, Jehovah has added. Armatheia means rhema, which is the spoken word of God. The rhema, the, the specific spoken. Joseph, Jehovah has added a specifically spoken word. And they hand him over to who? To Pilate. Why is that important? You know what Pilate's name means? Armed with a spear. That's what Pilate means. I'm like, are you kidding me? I thought that was somebody who flew a plane. That's that one of them jokes that I get through life with. Thank you for getting it finally. My wife said, if you had to tell them it's a joke, it's not funny. She was funny. Listen to me. They turn him over to Pilate. His name means armed with a spear. And it happens to be the spear that was stuck in his side that proves that he was indeed dead on the cross. And then the blood and water mixes together. And without that spear, without that evidence that the world proves that he was the Messiah. When he goes into the tomb, what do they do? They go, that deceiver did this and that and the other thing. And they said, put a guard over it. Make sure that it's protected. And the world proves, the way the world is, proves that he was the Messiah. Everything that they do to try to cover him up reveals his majesty. It's all in the names, too. Don't forget the name above all names. Don't get caught up following men. Men are but grass. We're gonna, it's like the flower of the field. We're going to fade away. But the word of God endures forever. Forever. Heaven and earth will pass away. But his word will not. He sent his word to heal the land. But Pilate means armed with a spear. I thought, wow. 
That's the witness. That's the evidence that he died. So then we can see that there was resurrection. Because he had to come. He was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. For this purpose he came, to die for you and me. Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. And he hung on a tree for you and me. Amen? Amen. And so if you would have finished chapter 27, you'd have seen they sealed the stone and set the guard. They were sealing their own fate if they don't open their heart and receive Jesus and believe upon him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that he has risen. Sneaky, huh? Father, thank you that you love us so much and that he has risen from the grave. And one day we will rise. Pour out your spirit, Lord, and quicken this word to our heart. May it produce fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. May we tell someone. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's begin, really, um, 17th in Nisan. Now, after the Sabbath, it would have been Saturday, as the first day of the week began to dawn, it's a new day, the church actually began to meet um, historically on Sunday because it was the first day of the week, and it just became, because that's the day that he rose on, um, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Did I tell you that he has risen? Resurrection. What does it mean? I mean, it's just become a word in the Christian church. Listen to me. Resurrection means a standing up again. A standing up again. It's our position in Christ is that we've been stood up again to stand. It's the place where we're supposed to be. I really like it because in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, the Bible tells us that all Scripture, it's God-breathed. It's inspired by God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God and the woman might be thoroughly equipped, ready for every good work. But the word correction, that God corrects what has been knocked down. They used it in ancient times when something would fall over like a busk of a Caesar. And they would say, correct that. And it would mean, stand that back up again into its rightful place. And that's what resurrection is. It's how we know that there was evidence, that there was a witness, that there was someone that died for us, and we can trust in Him, that if He rose, we will rise. That we can be in a position and a place to be stood back up in the family of God where we have been knocked down from because of the first Adam. And we're being corrected. It's not wrong to correct your children. It's a good thing to correct your children. Every moment is a teaching moment. But it's the Word of God that has done that. The living Word of God that God sent to heal the land. He came and died for us. 
and rose again on the third day. And he has risen. That's a pause. It's fun. So, but the other part of resurrection is it's a recovery of spiritual truth. That's what it means. Why? Because Jesus was truth incarnate. And because they were apostate, and for the most part, there's always a remnant. There was a remnant that was waiting for him. But for the most part, there needs to be a recovery of spiritual truth. But how does that happen, Greg? First, there's a recovery of breath. The breath of life because we're born dead under Adam. The inheritance is the wages of sin, is death. But when we come to Jesus and we believe in his death, burial, and resurrection, then there's a recovery of breath. We talked about this last week. You can look at it in Acts chapter 3, 19. A recovery of breath. Where, how's that? From the presence of the Lord. It's in the presence of the Lord. Repent, therefore, he said, and be converted so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And heaven has received him for this time of restoration. But he's coming quickly to get his bride. Are you being adorned right now as a bride waiting for her groom? How has the resurrection affected your life? Because he has risen. Twenty-eight one says that the, the, the as the day of the, the first day of the week began to dawn, it, it means to begin to grow light. He's shining light into darkness, into our dark, hard hearts. What happened, Greg? Well, Mary Magdalene, I don't know if you're familiar with her, and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And Mary Magdalene had seven demons cast out of her. In Luke 8, 2, you can read about that by Jesus. And where much is forgiven, much will be done or required. And she is so anxious to know what's happened that here she comes as it begins to get light. Now remember, their day began at six at night. So it would have been the night before. And it's now beginning to get dawn. And now they can move about again because the Passover is over with. And listen to this. Mary, Maria, Miriam, Mara, they all come from the same word, their rebellion, but her last name is Magdalene. And if you look it up, you'll find out, oh, those of Magdalia. But listen, it means a tower. Well, what, what kind of a tower? A tower of Babel. A tower that wants to work its way up to God and be above God's judgment on some type of a platform. But when you lift yourself up on that tower above, you have to bring God down to your level. And now you've successfully become apostate or practicing religion. 
their rebellion builds a tower of Babel. It creates confusion. But Mary Magdalene had these demons and these lies cast out and she began to follow the truth and she's the first one to get there because she understands who he is. He's the resurrection and the life. She's paying attention. See, and don't make, don't, don't, don't make something out of it that there were, oh, it was a woman first. Yes, this word has to be a woman. Just like last week in Exodus, it had to be a man. Because it was the man that was the head of the house. But here it has to be a woman. Well, why is that important, Greg? Because we want to be fluid according to the Tower of Babel. You don't have to decide where you're at. You can be whatever you want, whichever day you want. Listen, you have to become a woman and the bride of Christ. You have to be betrothed to Him. And you have to say, I am the one that is wrong and I repent. And I want to be married to you because you are good and you give life. And I want to do it your way and let you be the head because it's all about authority. There's salvation in no other name but the name of Jesus. And there's no way back into heaven unless it's the kinsman redeemer whom you marry. You say yes, just as Ruth laid at Boaz's feet and said yes. We're going to see them hold on to the feet of Jesus here. Because you have to say yes. You have to say yes. And if you're not careful, you'll listen to the liars. They're everywhere. The spirit of Antichrist has been sent out to deceive us into listening to man and not listening for the voice of God. But my sheep hear the good shepherd's voice. He knows them and they follow him because he's the head. He's the husband. He's the authority. His word is truth. Struggle with it. Fight with it. Wrestle with him. Whatever you have to do. But know this, he's always right, he's always true, and it's us that needs to repent and go his way. It's his highway to heaven. It's his kingdom, and it's always best. It's always best. It's never going to be bad for you. Never. See, my wife had become my Isaac. and taking care of her had become my idol because I wanted to be a good steward with God's property. God knows what he's doing, always. And we do that. We put people in our lives and we get busy and we have to do something instead of be somebody. We're the bride of Christ with a message of hope to a dead and dying world. Don't be deceived by the masses. Get your eyes fixed upon Jesus. And watch out for the demons. They're here. Believe me. They've been released for the final days, just like in Noah's days, just like with Sodom and Gomorrah. They've been released to get in the way. And the Lord rebuke you and bind you by the blood of Jesus away from us, demons. You'll be cast in the abyss soon enough. So, we have Mary Magdalene 
and the other Mary. There's a lot of rebellion going on there. And what did the rebellious people come to do? They came to see the tomb, the grave, the place that Jesus had been laying in a, in a virgin tomb by Joseph of Arimathea. Jehovah has added. And behold, there was a great megas. I like the word megas. It's an interesting word. Earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Notice it's the door. Do not miss that Jesus is the door. Listen, there's a door. You'll see it every time you go to your Bible now from now on. When you see door, when you see entrance, when you see vestibule, when you see these things, there's a decision to be made about that door. And there's a door that's open for the gospel right now, but it's getting ready to get very dark. And today is the day for salvation. Today is the day to be talking to your loved ones. It's not about Ishtar. And to continue following Ishtar is to listen to the apostates that Jude warns us about that have crept into the side door. And we would rather follow them than to follow the voice of God or to be led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8.14 As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Listen to me. He has risen. Just pay attention. <laughs> I'm trying to get this stuff. We're trying to learn it. So this great earthquake, it's a commotion of the ground. It's a shaking. Well, where did it come from? Well, the angel rolled the stone away. That brings some great attention to the door. And I'm not going to go there because I'll be here forever, and I'm going to let you guys go a little early today. <laughs> not um, Hebrews 12. Sorry. I deal with... Lots of things with humor. Hebrews 12, 25 through 29 tells us that God's going to shake all things once again and He's a consuming fire. You can read it later with your own homework. There's going to be a great shaking again. And we'll be gone. The church will be gone. But there's going to be a great shaking. Don't miss it. Because there's going to be a door. And Jesus is that door. Don't miss it. With cultural Christianity, don't miss it. So this commotion of the ground, is, is the ground shaking in your life? Has the stone been rolled away from your heart so you can see that on the inside of the grave it is empty? Listen to me. He didn't roll it away to get out. He's God Almighty. There's no stone or grave or anything that can keep him down. It was rolled away by the angel so us witnesses, messengers, can tell others. That's what angel means. 
a messenger, one sent forth. That's a megas earthquake to open the door so we can see in to see the grave is empty so we can see the resurrection so we can believe in the risen Lord because He has risen. And without the resurrection, we're just playing church. But we do not worship the resurrection. We worship the risen Lord. But we make sure that that evidence is presented. That's the witness. That's the proof. That, that, that proves that he was sinless and the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That God accepted it. That's what resurrection is. But somebody want, some people want to worship the resurrection. No, preach it. Teach it. But worship Jesus. The spirit of truth. Has the stone been rolled away from the door of your heart? Because he clearly shows us. He reveals to us by the Spirit that He is the risen Lord. But see, our hard hearts can remain closed. Oh, I believe that. So do the demons, and they tremble. But Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. A gentleman, perfectly. And now you have a choice at the door. He's knocking on the door of your heart. He's rolled away. and He's became the door. He's prepared. He's the good shepherd. But it's our choice and our free will to open our door of our hard hearts and say, you know what? I'm not going to live anymore by the dog that bit me. I'm not going to live anymore looking over my shoulder. I'm not going to live anymore talking about the past. I'm going to look onward and upward with Christ Jesus where I'm seated in heavenly places. And that's the power. That's the place. That's the position. That's the message. Because all of us are sinners and all of us have made mistakes and all of us will make mistakes. But where are your eyes fixed? Where is your hope at? Where is your heart? Where is your home? See, my wife is at home. My wife is at home. When she coded three times in 2019, within an hour they had released her hands and she was texting people about being absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. And I am not in any way glorifying my wife. I'm trying to tell you that she knew where she was going. She knew what she was doing. She knew she was being poured out as a drink offering down here just for my hard heart. If for nobody else. And she hung on for others because that's the gospel. It's for others. Jesus, others, and then yourself. Very simple gospel. And when you find that yourself is in the front, it doesn't spell anything but death. But when Jesus is first, and then you're looking to, to how do others See the witness and the testimony and the good news of the gospel. 
How has this news of resurrection affected your life? Did you ever get the word for gospel? Euangelion. I got it now. Never mind. Euangelion. I had to wait for it. It was late. Like my wife always was. But she was in perfect timing for going home. Peacefully. It's pretty amazing, actually. Hurts. Nothing ever hurt like it. Did 12 years in prison. Hurt. In fact, in prison, I would say, watch the Waltons and say, how have you messed up your life? Will you ever have a family? And to have 25 years of marriage and about 27 and a half years of being with a family and having an inheritance where God restored my life and gave me a wife and three beautiful children and uh, or four children after Trouble and Bobby come in and then four beautiful grandchildren, a whole family. See, I'm not going to share this at the funeral. This is for us. We're family. It was very difficult because I go to her family the first time and they had a patriarch and she wouldn't accept me. But one of the other ladies came out and got me from the car. Very first, very first Thanksgiving dinner. And said, you come back in here. And as I walked through the door, that other lady found a pearl in her mouth from oyster dressing. It silenced everybody. Silenced me. I'm like, what does that mean? She'd been doing oyster dressing for 60 years. First time ever an uncultured pearl was in her mouth. That's the way God accepts us. We're the pearl of great worth. Where a man finds that pearl and he gives up everything to buy that pearl, to get that pearl, to be a part of that pearl. I'm paraphrasing. We're not perfect, but we're being perfected. And then I became part of a big family in Lafayette where the church had over 600 people. And you know what? 12 years in prison was so hard, but leaving Harvest Chapel Lafayette was harder than that. That was my family. But even harder than that was losing my wife. And we say that, but she's not lost. She's forever found. It's not like she's somewhere off in a lost and found department and we're waiting, where did she go? Listen, we grieve, but we don't grieve like the world. We know the Bible declares resurrection. We know the Bible declares that the trump will sound and the dead in Christ will rise first and then we who are alive and remain will meet the Lord in the air and thus we'll be with him always. And we're to encourage one another with this word. This is the finish line. Resurrection. He is risen. 
And it means a recovery of spiritual truth. Yet we have an apostate church that does not know the truth. They continue to listen to the lies of the world that's underneath the sway of the wicked one. And they want to build church on some falsehood of fluidity and denying God's word. And we don't have to shut up. We can stand up and speak up and declare truth. What are they going to do? Right. Send us to the finish line? What a great thought. Let's go. Let's go. It's all been made new there. It's where we're moving to. That's what the inheritance is. We're in some foreign land. We're pilgrims. We're aliens. This is not our home if you know Jesus the Christ. I better get back on our message. I'm sorry. He's going to shake it all again. Are you ready for the shaking? Because if you can be shaken, then you don't know the gospel. Oh, I'm not saying you won't have pain or suffering or heartache or, or some type of you fill in the blank. But these things should not shake us in the same way that they shake the world. The world is still afraid of death. Those that don't know Jesus all their life, they've been afraid of death. But to us, death is life. When we go to sleep, it's life. I wish I could get here. It's easy to talk about. But I'm going to let God shake it out. Has the stone been rolled back from your heart? Notice the angel sitting there. Now you can sit and rest. Let people see the risen Lord, because he has risen. Verse 3, his countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook from, for fear of him and became like dead men. Now listen, remember they put the guards there, and these are Jewish guards, and these are guards that should have known the truth, but they don't know the truth. This is the temple guard, some of the same people that arrested and they're guarding this temple, and they're scared. So we know they don't believe. But they shook as if dead men, like dead men. And we need to understand that the fear of man produces, the fear of man produces Anybody remember 25 or 29, 25 of Proverbs? The fear of man produces a stumbling block, a snare. The fowler will.
catch you like a bird, and birds are always evil. See, we're memorizing Scripture. There might be a day where they take this from us, and we'll be here still. But isn't it amazing that we would be able to sit around like a family, and whatever Scripture you've memorized or what I've memorized, we can piece it together, and we would have in our hearts written down the Scriptures. There's people in other countries, they have to do that. We don't get this in America. They sing praise songs without making noise. Because if they make noise, the authorities will hear them and come and arrest them and kill them or imprison them. And so they sing the songs and they go through the motions, but they're not allowed to do it out loud in certain countries. We've been given freedoms here and we've allowed apostasy to take them from us. I better get back on this or you guys are never going to get to go home and eat your Resurrection Sunday meal. Verse 5, But the angel, the messenger, answered, because an answer had to be given. That's what that word means. There is required to say something, an explanation. You ever do that when you're like, oh my goodness, I would like to just sit here and listen to what they're saying, but I've got to answer that because I can't just let that stay on the floor. I've got to answer that lie with truth. See, sometimes you just have to answer. That's what the truth does. It sets you free from the fear of man and the snare of the devil and the lie. And now you can trust in God that he's delivering you. But we have to learn this and write it on the tablets of our hearts and then not forget it. But the angel answered and said to the women, has to be women, has to be women, do not be afraid. And, see, and I don't know that this isn't Jesus setting on his own door. I mean, I always think it is because he's lightning and he's white and clothing and everything requires him, but it's in a small A. And so I'm not going to read into the text, but you can decide yourself because I know that we need to hear his voice as his bride in order to follow him. But later it's going to say that he met him on the path. But it, 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 either way, um, they heard the truth. They were told, do not be afraid. And that's what he always says. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified, uh, which means to be impaled. But figuratively, it means to extinguish or subdue your passions or your selfishness. Listen, figuratively, when we say, I am crucified with Christ. It means that I am putting to death my passions, my desires, my selfishness, and I'm walking in God's power, doing God's work. I'm denying myself daily. I'm taking up my cross and following Him. It doesn't mean you have to beat yourself or go put yourself on a cross. It means you have to understand that that's your position and your place. I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. The word seek means to seek specifically. See, they, when they went there, they knew what they were looking for. Do you know what you're looking for? See, it means to worship. Proskuneo, to bow down, prostrate before the Lord. 
Because they believed that he was there. Oh, I don't think they believed that or even understood resurrection. I don't think they believed it or understood it at all. How could they? Half their teachers even taught that there was no resurrection. We're more blessed. We have it written in the scriptures. It was hidden. It was cloaked to the Jewish nation. They never had no examples. They didn't have 2,000 years of church history talking about he is risen. It had never happened. They didn't understand it. They couldn't comprehend it. In two days is the preparation of the Passover, and I'm going, and they're going to crucify me, but I will raise again on the third day. Get out of the way, John. I'm the greatest here. He's going to make me the boss. Get out of the way. That's the selfishness that has to be crucified. I'm the greatest. You're the greatest. He's the greatest. No, Jesus is the famous one. And if he be lifted up, he'll draw all men to himself. But if anybody else is being lifted up, they're kicking against the goads. They're walking in selfishness and pride and arrogance. Yet that's what everything that we want to do not just then with the Pharisees and Sadducees, but even now. Can you put my name on that wall since I gave so much money? Can you lift me up and make sure people notice that it's me? How about put my name on a book that says number one bestseller? And then we'll just run around and try to sell them because we're getting the kingdom's work done. I'm sorry. I'm a little bit different. We don't need any more books. We have the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ in 66 books by 40 authors. We need more witnesses that will lay their life down. I'm sorry. I digress. I get in trouble with stuff like that because it's the spirit of today. Matthew 6.33, Jesus had already told him, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. What are you seeking today? The angel knew that they were seeking Jesus, the Lord's salvation. I don't know if you remember over in Luke on the road to Emmaus, and we thought that he was the Messiah. Are you the only stranger here? Remember that? But the rulers, they've killed him. And this is the third day, and he said that he was risen. And now some of our people have come, and they've said that they've seen the risen Lord. And then he began to open the scriptures to them and speak to them. That's amazing stuff. He wants to open them to us in our walk. Are you seeking Jesus? Are you seeking a handout or a hand up? Are you want to impress men or do you want to seek Jesus and worship Jesus in spirit and truth? He is risen. What did the angel say to verse 6, number of man? He is not here, for he is risen. As he said... Didn't he say it? Remember, everything's going to happen exactly like God said. 
So all of these Tower of Babel people that are trying to do something different, it's not going to happen. It's going to end bad. So when you're listening to their news instead of the good news, when you're listening to their voice instead of his voice, you're going to end somewhere bad. We have to deny self. Do not be afraid. They use fear. He is risen. He risen As he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And then what, Greg? Once we see the Lord, go. Go and do what? Go quickly. Go quickly and do what? Tell his disciples. Now see, this is really specifically talking about them going and telling the other 11. The disciples. But disciples means pupil or learners. And there's future disciples. There's future people that are going to come seriously wanting to worship God and seek Jesus and know who they are. And know that they've been deceived. And know that they're sinners. And know that they want to repent because of the Spirit of God that convicts them. And then it's speaking of us as the disciples. And we're supposed to not just that those faithful people, those women went and told somebody, but we're supposed to go tell somebody. Because we're in a grand courtroom where we're giving testimony. We're being eyewitnesses unto what we see. We see He is risen. The evidence that He was the Mashiach, the Messiah of God, who takes away the sins of the world. How could we keep such good news to ourselves? Come and see the place where he lay, where he was outstretched. It means to be appointed and set purposely in a grave for you and me. He took our death so that the grave has no more victory and no more power over us. Tell you what, I can't wait to see my wife again but she won't be my wife then she's married to Christ there's no marriage in heaven the marriage happens down here when you believe it's the Damascus road it's the Romans 10 9 and 10 when you say I do and you agree with the truth of the facts that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead you say I do that's the Greek word that's used there. E-I-D-O. And it's a marriage ceremony. I'm thankful to have a stewardship of her and her family. But we all must give our lives to Christ and see Him and seek Him and worship Him in spirit and truth. It's been appointed for us. And we should go quickly without delay. Remember, well, let's look at it. You can look at it with me. It's um, Ephesians chapter 5. And I wanted to do a little bit more, but I'm 
getting long-winded here. 14. Therefore he says, Arise, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, for the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be always be being filled with the Holy Spirit of promise. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always in all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Listen, quickly, redeeming the time, making the most of the time, as diligently as possible when we wake up, when we arise, and we see that we have been duped and the time is short and that Jesus is coming quickly for his bride, we need to be about the Father's business. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. Heathen circle. The heathen circuit. See, he didn't, he didn't say, oh, and he's going before you over to the palace. There you will see him. Listen, we need to see him. We need to see him with our hearts, not with our eyes. The just shall walk by faith. We're not walking by sight. But you know what? My wife sees by sight now. Oh, her eyes were the only good thing on her body. Quite amazingly, she went to the eye doctor to get new glasses, and they said, oh, your eyes are, they've gotten better since before. It was the only thing that had gotten better on her whole body. And so they were calling and calling and calling me, and I thought it was bill collectors, so I never listened. They said, it's time-sensitive information. We need you to call us as soon as possible. And I'm thinking, I ain't got no money right now. Leave me alone. And then I find out it was the donation place, and I go, oh, well, my wife would love. It was the only thing that was working on her, to give her eyes so somebody else could read her Bible. Somebody else could see their Bible for the first time. So I finally got a hold of them and talked with them and they couldn't guarantee me that somebody was going to see their Bible or that it was even going to get her eyes, that they would probably be used in research. And I said, uh, no thanks. We already made the decision she wasn't going to be cut on anymore. And if you can't guarantee me that they're going to go in somebody else's head to see, I'm not giving them to you. My wife would have probably not liked that decision, okay? Just saying. She wouldn't have liked it. She would have been like, give it to him. I don't need it. He's going to make all things new. Anyway, my life. The Word of God. Do you have eyes to see? Ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church? 
And just as a disclaimer, uh, when he says go quickly and tell, it means to speak or say, but it can also be by word or writing. So when you hear me talking bad about people that write books, I still don't think we need to spend all that time because then we sign contracts with worldly people that make us do certain things in a certain time limit, a certain way. And so we should not be unequally yoked with the world. Here's, it's already written. How many times did Jesus say, or the disciples say, have you not read? It is written? Sorry, I'll go back. And then he says, there at the end of, Verse 7, Behold, lo, it's imperative, I have told you. That's what it says. It's, it, I have told you. He said it. He's brought the word. The message has been given. They've heard it. So what do they do? What do you do when you hear the word of God and you go, wow, the word of God is this powerful? Wow, this is what he's called me to do. This is what he wants me to do. This is where he wants me to go. You look at verse 8. New beginning happens. So they went out quickly from the tomb. This, they, they obeyed. They went out quickly from the grave with fear and great joy. Now this is a different fear here. This is, this is kind of the way I felt about my wife. Not understanding, not knowing. How can I go back to my house when a part of me is gone and it's in heaven? And there's fear, but then there was such great joy to know that she had been made new. That it was the finish line. That she was now up there arguing with Jesus about when to saddle the horses. And that's just a joke, because humor helps. It's good medicine. We know it's in God's perfect time. But she's not struggling anymore. They went quickly. What are we doing quickly in our lives? Think about that for a minute. Because we can't even go to a fast food restaurant that brings your meal. Well, they don't have enough workers anymore, but so now it isn't very quickly. But see how they mess up their own analogies? But what are we doing quickly? What are we what is on the forefront of our hearts? There's so many things that we do quickly and we want it right now. But is it the gospel? Or is it death? What did they run to do quickly? Bring his disciples' word. Bring them bread of life. Their lives had changed. They had seen Jesus. They worshipped him. And now they're going to give other people the word to his disciples, those who want to hear the word. You don't have to sit around and struggle with people. You'll know the people that want to hear the word of God.
And I'm not even saying people that don't want to hear the word of God aren't saved, but they're still looking over their shoulder back at self and the dog that bit them. And they're still blaming and they're still mad and they're still angry and they cannot let God heal their heart. Maybe they can't forgive themselves. And that's what the word will help you with. Forgiving yourself. He's come to make all things new. To restore Verse 9, and as they went, those are just English words on a page. Is that all that is? Notice what happens as they went, as they obey, as they as Peter stepped out on the water. What happened? He walked on it. When he got his eyes back on the liars and the apostates and the storm and what he'd been told by the, by the world, he sunk. As they went, to tell their intent of the heart, his disciples, lo, behold, what happened? Jesus showed up and met them. Now, that's not, that's not that big a deal, really, unless you know that this word met means he, he encountered them. And it comes from two other words, one that means with, he was with them, lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. And the other word means instead of. And because of your obedience, he showed up and he was with you. And then he did the work through you because it's not about us. It's about his spirit and his power and his might and his good news. But what we have to do is be willing vessels that says, okay, I surrender, Lord. I know that I've been called to go and deliver a message. And I don't know how I'm going to get it out. I don't know how I'm going to tell them but I don't want them to go to hell because you saved me from hell. And as you go, as you decide in your heart that you want to obey, he's going to meet you. He'll be with you. He's going to show up. I didn't want to get up here this morning. In fact, most people told me not to get up here this morning. Even at last minute, Colin, I can still go preach for you. What would I do? Sit and snivel at an empty grave? My wife's not in the grave. My wife is at home with Jesus. Am I broken? Yes. Will it ever be the same? No. But that doesn't change the gospel. The gospel changes us. And if I were to finish, I would tell you that as you go, you're going to meet Jesus, but you're also going to meet liars because there's going to be guards that come back and then they're going to pay them to tell you to lie and say, make up this story, make up that story, do anything you can to keep them from knowing that the grave was empty. But Jesus shows up again and they worship him and he says, all authority, all power has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples. It's your second witness that he gives you by the mouth of two or three witnesses. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe, to obey 
all that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He commissions them. And the only reason you and I hear about it is because of vessels that went, the vessels that the Spirit of God was able to use. And don't forget that Acts is the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostle. It's not men, it's God doing the work that He does in restoration and redemption until the restoration of all things which is very, very soon. Wake up. Arise from your sleep and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Find out what the will of the Lord is. Stop being drunk with wine but be always be being filled by the Holy Spirit of promise, singing and speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ, submitting to one another, military term, hupotasso. Get in line, know your appointed place. He's called you for a purpose. It was actually in the other text, but I'm not going to talk about it. It was just tasso. Military term. We are in a war, but it's already been won. We're just standing, handing out the spoils, witnessing that the grave is empty because he has risen. Father, thank you for the empty grave and that one day we're all going to rise in the resurrection because you are the resurrection and the life. You are everything that resurrection entails and you're everything that life entails. Everything else is death and the grave. Pour out your spirit upon these. Have your way with us. Move in a mighty way, Lord. I pray that we would weep and mourn and celebrate my wife's life according to your gospel and not according to the world because we know that just as Jesus lives, so does she. And she has been made whole. Sanctified body, soul, and spirit completely and be glorified in that, Lord, and with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear?